I think uh, a measurable portion of the time when I try to adjust the height of this microphone, I accidentally push it against the rubber gasket all the way into the uh, podium, which is that beautiful racket you heard a few minutes ago. Um, we are continuing through the book of Acts for now, um, and we are all the way, all the way to Acts 12. And you may have noticed that I have skipped over things as we've gone through Acts because there's a lot there. Please never substitute hearing what I'm saying in church for reading the Bible for yourself. Because I'm fallible and God is not. That's kind of, a, it's a really important principle to remember. I may miss something that you would find a tremendous blessing. Don't just rely on me to hear all your scripture, please. Also, if you need a Bible, we have Bibles. You're welcome to one. Anyway, so we see at the beginning of chapter 12 that Herod is starting to arrest Christians. He starts by killing James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder from the Gospels, and sees how happy that makes the people, particularly the Jews, that he just killed one of Jesus' disciples one of these apostles. So immediately he arrests Peter. He's probably going to put on a nice show trial and have him executed too to gain popularity. And I'm not sure if you knew this about people, but they are people and they've always been people and they do people-y things to include politics. If you want to gain someone's favor, you do what makes them happy in a very uh, emotional way. And what better than a big trial against someone that the community despises and then just, you know, making a good show of it. At least that's how I read it. But while Peter is in prison, he's freed by an angel. And it would be, there's accounts in scripture of people just walking out of prison or there being an earthquake and being shaken free. In this case, though, he's chained between two guards and feels like he's having a vision and just walks out of prison and past other guards. And when he gets to the iron gate to the city, it opens up for him. And then he comes to himself because at any point, any of us, if we were in our right minds would be like, I can't do this. But since he felt that he was having a vision, he was probably a lot more willing to just move with it move with the angel anyhow. And when he gets back to his friends, they don't even believe it's him because they know he's in jail. He's in Roman jail. Roman jail is no joke. Not only is he behind guards, he's behind other guards. So guards, guards, sleeping between two guards. He's going nowhere. He's going nowhere in a great big hurry. Yet there he shows up at the house of John Mark. And the person who hears his voice is so excited that it's him. She doesn't even open the door. She runs back to tell people. All I can think of is my dog, Remy Lou. She's so excited that she doesn't know what she's doing. So this girl, I think her name's Rhoda, just running around the place like, oh, it's, it's Peter. And they're like, no, it must be his angel. He's probably dead. It's probably just his, his angel at the gate. And when he walks in, they're so astonished he has to quiet them. 
and he tells them everything that happened. And then you'll notice something really important here because this goes against our mind a lot. You'll notice he didn't raise up an army at this point. He didn't go grab two swords. He didn't get a concealed carrier permit. He didn't do any of that. He did the old Mennonite tradition. He ran away. <laughs> he, he left. He left. Because I feel like that's probably where the spirit was like, hey, if you stay here, things aren't going to change for you. So he left. There's no shame in leaving a dangerous situation. There's definitely an intense need in our history for martyrs. There's also an intense need in our history for people who live to talk. You'll notice that he is martyred eventually, as are the rest of them. But he had some more preaching to do first. I am <laughs> I'm kind of blown away by stories like this when I read them, because I am a very... Um, skeptical person by nature, you know, so it's taken a lifetime for me to read accounts in scripture and to understand that God is just doing this. Because as you live, you see enough things that you really can't explain. And if you live around Christian people, eventually you'll encounter enough things that are miraculous that you'll just be like, yeah, God did that. And I know there's probably at least one person in their head, they're just, just like, that is really hard for me to go along with. But allow me to put this in front of you, and I've said this so many times, and I'll continue to because I teach sixth grade science. I don't have a real depth of science. I'm really good at sixth grade science, right? You currently now are hurling through space at 20,000 miles per hour. How many of you can feel that? While spinning in a circle at 1,000 miles per hour. Underneath you is so much molten rock that our world stays warm. Anybody too warm today? If ice didn't float when it freezes, all, all life on this planet would die. But for some reason, the only thing that expands when it freezes is water. Why does that happen? All of this came from nothing. And I don't care what you believe, all of this came from nothing. It just came into existence, but it has purpose and order and design, and it makes sense, and there's laws of nature. If you can believe all of that, I'm talking about two guys that didn't wake up and a couple of doors. This is very believable. Are you with me? Maybe some of you just read it and they're like, yes, my God does that, and he does. Some of us have been blessed to have people in their family like my Grandma Johnson. Grandma Johnson almost died a lot. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Eventually she did get to go to heaven, but she almost died from about the time she was 35. Every couple of years she would have a health problem that was kind of severe. Some less severe than others. Woman had two brain aneurysms burst and did not get life flighted for over 24 hours. Then when she got to the hospital, they did brain surgery, and she was up walking within two days. That should not happen. 
A few years later, she was in the doctor's office and they told her she had cancer. Her body wasn't producing enough. I forget red blood cells, white blood cells, whichever the blood cells are. Again, sixth grade science. I know they both exist. And she, when the doctor came back in the room, she said, you need to run my test again. I prayed about it. They ran the test again. He goes, well, there must have been some mistake because you don't have cancer. You're, everything's fine. Right. That was my grandma, though. She did. She had too much faith to be logical. I grew up around her, so I've got kind of an edge up on a true skeptic. I also know Don. Stuff happens to Don. But Don's still here. I also don't believe in luck. Because if Don had bad luck, he'd be gone. If Don had good luck, he wouldn't be having these problems. Don has God's blessing in a fallen world. That's what Don has. Don has gone through more physical ailments than I ever want to shake a stick at. He's here, sitting upright, ambulatory, right? Clear thoughts, clear speech. He's here. There's more of you in here that have had just so many things go wrong. But you're here. Luck is false. I've actually gotten to the point where I stopped telling people good luck. That was a really hard habit to break. I don't want to give any props to luck whatsoever. When we have a God that puts all this stuff in place. If you say good luck, I won't be offended. It's a cultural thing, whatever. But I'm not doing it anymore. I don't want to give any credit to luck. Luck is so dumb. It's not true. There's odds. There's chances. There's laws of nature. There's a God controlling everything. And I believe in all of those things. Mostly, though, I believe in a God that controls everything. He put this in place and we feel so smart because we can read the blueprints. And we can't even read all of them. A hundred years ago, people thought that cells were the smallest thing in the universe. Cells. You know how many millions of atoms make up a cell? Einstein, arguably the most intelligent human being to live so far, arguably. There's others too, you know. But since most people don't know who I am, I'm just joking, I'm foolish. Um, but Einstein always said that light was the fastest moving thing. Like so many of his theories are based on the speed of light. I don't understand his theories because he's upper echelon smart and I'm just kind of know some stuff, right? Yet he was wrong. There's actually particles on the end of light particles. You know where I learned that from Mike? I wouldn't have known that because no one talks about, what, physics just for fun unless you happen to be talking to Mike. But that blew my mind. Possibly the smartest human being that human beings have produced thus far was still wrong. Things change. What do we know? We felt we were so smart. It's so bizarre to me that at our smartest, we're able to figure out some things that were put in place that seem to have way too much design to be coincidence. As my hundred trillion cells that make up my body replenish themselves in just such an order to keep me looking the same and feeling the same, whether that's good or bad. 
all the chemicals in my brain telling me how I feel, which should be irrelevant if we're being logical. Emotions don't help a lot, do they? Except when they do. You don't want to live life without emotions. Emotions kind of help you to decipher what's worth caring about. We don't want to live by emotions, though. We want to live by faith. But the fact that we have these emotions that God instilled in us, it's all chemical reactions. You have electricity coursing through your body right now. I forget what it even does, but that's okay. God knows. He put it there. We're somewhere between a battery and a computer and a lima bean. Functioning. Functioning. If you want to believe that's an accident, that is more faith than I could ever muster up in a hundred lifetimes. I don't have enough faith to discount that. Also, a little helpful thing, just in case you're the arguing kind, some of you are, some of you aren't. It's your personality. It's not necessarily a sin. I'm just saying some of you like to argue. Here's a thing you can always bring up in an argument, because most of the time when people are angry about your religion, which people get angry when you're a Christian, I don't always know why. Sometimes I do. But they'll get angry. And they'll be like, well, science proves. I don't know how many times I've ever heard someone say science proves. And I would like you, the next time someone says science proves, correct them. And you can just go ahead and say, no, science supports Science has never proven a single thing. If someone says science proves, they're not using science. They have already defeated their own argument. Science has never proved a blessed thing. Not once. Never once. How many of you believe in gravity? I'm a product of gravity. Come on. How many of you believe in gravity? You never fell off your bicycle? Science doesn't even prove gravity. It supports gravity. It proves it beyond a reasonable doubt, maybe. But the next time someone looks at you and says, well, science proves. No, it doesn't. You've never studied science. You're repeating what someone else said. And you have more faith in someone's opinion about what a scientist actually did than you are willing to figure out for yourself. Right? That doesn't make every person who denies scripture to be an idiot. Far from it. There is a lot of incredibly intelligent agnostics out there. There really are. Because they have enough common sense to say, I can't know for certain, but I'm living like this. If someone claims to be an actual atheist, it means they have not studied. And I don't mean to be a jerk about that, but it truly means they did not study. Agnostics make sense logically because they can't know and they don't have enough faith. So they'll believe in nothing. It's hopeless, but it makes sense. But the next time someone says science proves blah, 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 blah. No, it doesn't. Which science? If you go to the Creation Museum, you're going to see a different presentation of science. It's not like they made up fake science for the Creation Museum and they made up real science for all the other museums. Science simply means knowing. It's following what you can know based on scientific principles and the laws of nature and coming up with an explanation. 
you can get multiple presentations from the same artifacts. And it all again comes back to faith. Man, that was a long bunny trail. Is everyone still alive? All right. Didn't mean to do that to you, but here I am. I also think it is entirely worth mentioning that in verse 19, what happened to the guards? Because this is going to confront your sense of justice. It will. What happened to the guards? Herod executed all the guards. They let someone escape. Doesn't that seem unjust? Unjust? I use on and in interchangeably sometimes, forgive me. Doesn't that seem a little unjust? That all the guards were executed? Why didn't God love the guards? No one else thought that when they heard that? No one. Oh, you callous people. I'm kidding. Um, it's worth mentioning that for whatever reason, those guards died so that God's message could go forward as well. Romans aren't known for being overly forgiving people. They're not what you'd call tolerant. They were executed after being questioned. Well, what happened? He just disappeared. Okay, that works. We have a tendency to look at the world as a very finite place because we're very finite creatures myself included, very finite. My biggest concern in the morning is making a cup of coffee. That is my absolute biggest concern in the morning. Right or wrong, I am that finite that I need brown liquid to jumpstart my life, right? Is the world not much larger than a cup of coffee? Is God much greater than a cup of coffee? Well, yeah. It isn't until I've been awake for a few moments that I even start thinking about the creator whom I love and have dedicated my life to. We are very finite creatures. And as a very finite creature, I have emotions that just hit me. Like, oh, why did the guard have to die so that Peter could be free? There's currently 7 billion people on this planet. Which ones doesn't God love? Which ones? And a lot of those people are going to die serving no discernible purpose. Now, this may seem strange. These guards have a purpose. They were part of one of the greatest accounts in Scripture. They died but they served a greater historical purpose than I probably will. 20,000 people starve to death every single day, and Jesus loves every single one of them. If you want to get hung up on injustice, let's get hung up on our present injustice and the ones that we can actually address. The way that we talk to each other sometimes is an absolute injustice. The way we feel about each other as fellow Christians can be an absolute injustice. 
Jesus said that we'll, people will know we're his disciples because we love one another. How's that going? Limitedly, pretty good. Broad scale, pretty bad. How many people are you aware of that are both believers, husband and wife, who get divorced and can't stand each other? That's commonplace in the American church. Yet people will know we're disciples because we love each other. How many parents aren't talking to their own children right now within churches? And the world will know we're Christians because we love each other. We have a sign that's been facing our parking lot for about a year and a half that's been driving me crazy with an expletive on it. Still hanging up there during vacation Bible school because it's never too early to expose children to political beliefs and the F word when they go to church. Been facing our parking lot for a year and a half. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. But at the same time, I'm not going to make any claims about our neighbor's faith. I'm not assuming he has no faith. I'm not saying he does have faith. I'm just saying there's not a lot of love in a sign like that. Everyone that disagrees with me is an idiot, right? My way or the highway. We have this deep-seated belief in Christianity that it's to heaven with me and to hell with everybody else. And that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. But my bigger point, which I kind of strayed from there, is a couple of guards did die. And the gospel moved forward. And one day, all of us in this room, should the Lord tarry, we will all expire. And the gospel will move on. Our biggest hope shouldn't be to be great, but to be part of something much greater than ourselves. A staggering amount of celebrities hate themselves. A staggering amount of celebrities, famous people in history, have killed themselves or are addicted to drugs because they can't handle life, or convert to strange Eastern religions where they can believe that they are in fact a god because they're empty and they're hollow because their life has no meaning and they make pretend for a living. Our greatest joy in life is knowing that we can be part of something that truly matters. So all of this is vapor. It's wonderful, beautiful vapor, and I enjoy most every minute of it. I'm so thankful that I get to experience all the blessings I have. But if I don't love my neighbor, and if I don't love you, and if I can't forgive you over something, usually my own ego, because that's what it really comes down to, 
when you can't forgive someone else? It's because of your ego. I'm sure they did something horrible. Of course they did. They're people who do awful things. But it's our ego that keeps us there. Not being an active part of the greatest thing that could ever be done in history, which is being an active member of Christ's family. Actively being a child of the living God, moving about, being his hands and his feet, making the world a better place. Because God said this world was good. It fell. But the world isn't, we shouldn't just be waiting for it to destruct. Salt and light, right? You also see from the story that God cares for his people very much. He rescues Peter from impossible circumstances, just walks him out of prison. Just walks him out. Now, if I was worried about the collection plate and I wanted to fill seats, this is where I would go into how God will meet your needs. When you're in trouble, God will always rescue you from between the two guards. If it's his will, yes, he will. But what if it isn't his will? What if we're playing the two guards in this part without knowing it? Or the however many guards there were. And God needs his will to go forward. What if, what if, what if? God is holy. God is just. To judge God on justice is ridiculous. For me to feel like something is unjust, I don't understand what's even going on most of the time. What is within my realm is to love my neighbor, to love a foreigner, to love a sojourner, to love my enemy. That's within my realm. Those are the things I can actually do. Those are the things you can actually do. I apologize if I've been a little dry this morning. Sometimes I have so much I want to say that I can't articulate that it just about drives me insane. I love that. Also, just this is an aside because I just heard, I'm pretty sure that was William. His voice carries beautifully. When people bring their kids to church, if you get a chance to, unless you totally disagree with what I'm saying, in which case don't lie to them, tell them how happy you are to have their kids making noise and squirming in church. There's nothing more depressing than a quiet church room when there could be kids in it. We're supposed to have an orderly worship service, but it isn't supposed to be dead. When you, if you ever get a chance to encourage a parent, because parents are frustrated, you know, just remind them how happy you are to see their kids squirming and making noise and shrieking when we're singing or whatever they're doing. I would much rather have us miss a note in a hymn or have me have to repeat myself a couple of times than not have kids in here. Anyway, I'll crawl off of that soapbox. 
in summation, they'll know we're Christ's followers because we love one another. That seems like a strange place to land off of Paul breaks out of jail. I'm not normal. That's where I went. Again, read it for yourself. Study it for yourself. Pray about it for yourself. That's where I landed. Thank you for putting up with me. If you can do so without pain, can you please stand with me? Father God, I thank you so much for the fullness of your scripture. Lord, I pray that you would touch the people that took the time to come today. Lord, I pray that something will have blessed them today, that it would be your words and not me. Father, I pray that you would be with our time together in fellowship and in discussion. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow together as a family who loves one another, who cares for each other, and who corrects each other, and who carries each other's burdens for your glory and for your honor, Lord. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe we have a hymn, so you may want to stay standing.